The year 2020 has been unlike any year I can remember in my entire life. We started out things so wonderfully thinking that we had a great economy. And then came the coronavirus from China. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. Like I said, everything seemed wonderful back in January. Then we started hearing some rumblings in February. By March, we're watching the coronavirus updates, beginning to see infections spread throughout Europe, the United Kingdom, predictions of doom and gloom and millions dead in the United States. Of course, that was the poor model that came from the Imperial College of London that everybody based all their plans and mitigation efforts upon counties all across the United States were preparing. I know firsthand I was doing the work in being ready to see one, two, or three percent or more of their population die in just a matter of weeks. But it didn't happen. While many people did die, we're now learning, as you know, that 94% of those that died because of the coronavirus outbreak had other issues along with the issues that they had. And I'll be talking about that a little bit more tomorrow on the program. But I want to talk today about how we responded and how we, how we have lived in this mode since March and April of this year. When we got to the end of May, time for the first holiday of the end of spring, kind of the unofficial beginning of summer at Memorial Day. And an incident happened at that time that has sparked riots, violence, anger, fear, looting, and fires all over parts of the United States. The incident with George Floyd has captured the minds of people all over this country. The video that we all saw on television is horrifying. People were extremely upset and protests were probably more than justified, but but the looting that has been done, the stealing that has been done, burning down buildings that has been done to people that have nothing to do with any of this is not protest. Many cities in the United States, I think of a couple right now, Portland, Oregon, Seattle, Washington, it's been a non-stop event since May. We are now three months and still having riots and protests that are not really protests. As I shared with you on another program this week, how CNN could, with a straight face, have a reporter live on camera with a building and an automobile on fire behind him Did you see that? Oh, it's a mostly peaceful protest, but there are some fires. Yeah, buildings burning down, businesses being destroyed. And people have died at the 
hands of the rioters and protesters. But we never hear much about that. We just hear about George Floyd. Or we hear about the guy that was trying to fire a taser into the face of a police officer in Atlanta, and somehow the policeman is the bad guy when he shoots back. There have been so many incidents that we don't have the full story. I'm not trying to minimize it. I'm just trying to tell you that we don't have all the facts. And you have idiot governors and idiot mayors all over the United States who have one thing in common, and I'll let you guess what that is in common. They have one thing in common. They all hate Donald Trump, and they blame him for their problems. Donald Trump did not put his knee on George Floyd's neck. No Republican did. It happened in a Democrat-run city with a Democrat mayor. And somehow it's somebody else's fault a thousand miles away. And we're supposed to believe this, this nonsense. We have so much going on in this country today between the pandemic and a lot of the fake information coming out, a lot of the things that don't make any sense, that the numbers are not adding up, and you find certain stories that make things look good or look bad, there's no clarity yet on so much of the coronavirus, and I'll share some of that tomorrow on the program and over the weekend. But today, I want to talk for a little while about deceiving politicians. It was Ron Emanuel who said many years ago when he worked in the Clinton White House in the 1990s, never let a good crisis go to waste. You see that happening today in more ways than you could ever imagine. We have the crisis now of the pandemic. We have the crisis now of rioters, looters, people setting buildings and cars on fire, smashing innocent people's cars. What did they do to deserve to have their car destroyed? Black Lives Matter, as an organization, in my opinion, has nothing to do with black lives. It sounds great on the surface. How can anybody be against it? Because if you say you're against Black Lives Matters, you're immediately painted as some kind of a a Neanderthal racist or leftover from a prior time in our history when the narrative can be controlled when social media can be edited and sanitized so to speak people only get half of a story I could not tell you this for certainty, but I've got a very strong suspicion that as time goes forward, some of the assumptions we have made about some of the things we have seen in terms of blacks being killed unarmed by by police officers may not fully ring as true as you think today. It's amazing what can come out in a trial evidence that you and I have not yet seen. And so I'm I'm always cautious 
learned this years ago when I was a young guy starting out in radio and I was assigned to do news for a couple of years. And you can think you know something about something until all the evidence gets out and suddenly you realize your, your judgment is wrong. Too many of the mayors and governors jumped to conclusions without all the facts and literally gave an open invitation for people to riot and break things and destroy things. I have no idea of what breaking into a Best Buy or a Target store to steal televisions has to do, big screen TVs, what does it have to do with George Floyd? What does breaking into somebody's business and setting it on fire have to do with George Floyd? Even black-owned businesses ended up being destroyed by this unruly, uncontrolled mob. You know, for months, Democrat mayors and, and Democrat governors have looked the other way and tried to pretend everything is just wonderful. It's a... It's a peaceful protest, and we shouldn't get all worried or bent out of shape or concerned. Remember the mayor of Seattle? Yeah, Jenny Durkin. Jenny Durkin presided over this summer's just nightmarish protest. You had rioters take over part of government complexes and buildings, and a whole section whole section of downtown Seattle became a war zone. They called it for a while Chaz or Chap. It was an autonomous zone where peace and love were going to reign. Everything was going to be wonderful. What a delusion. For Jenny Durkin, the mayor of Seattle, to make some of the outlandish things that she said over and over and over again makes you wonder about one of two things. Do they believe they can deceive everybody because of a D after their name? That people are just going to give them a pass because, well, we just don't like Donald Trump, so we this is one way to get rid of him. I'm telling you, people like Mayor Jenny Durkin have allowed her city to become a hell hole. Businesses are leaving, which will hurt their, their tax base. Good people are going to look at that city and say, no more. No more. Now, what scares me is how many will leave a place like Seattle and bring their bad voting habits that put Jenny Durkin into office to begin with. How many will take those voting habits to the eastern part of the state or to Texas or or Florida or somewhere else? Yet she gets on CNN with Chris Cuomo, you know, the brother of St. Andrew Cuomo, the the governor of New York that did everything right for the coronavirus, another topic for another day, the son of Mario Cuomo. 
he's a piece of work himself and he has he has jenny durkin on this little love fest of a program that he hosts over on cnn and she's explaining this is a little while back when all of this started in seattle and and they literally took over and occupied people's property they couldn't even get to their own businesses they were getting pillaged and this is what she explains this is what mayor durkin explains to to chris cuomo Um, we've got four blocks in seattle that you just saw pictures of that is more like a block party atmosphere it's not an armed takeover it's not a military junta how long do you think seattle in those few blocks looks like this I don't know. We could have the summer of love. That has got to be one of the stupidest things I've ever heard a politician, the mayor of a large United States city, ever say. And I've been around a long time. That is absolutely insanity. Summer of love. Well, it deteriorated fast. People got seriously injured, killed. Stores and things burned violence erupting the police couldn't even get in to get injured people out without being assaulted themselves and eventually the delusional mayor jenny durkin finally realized she had thoroughly lost control of her city totally lost it the police chief resigns she can't take it anymore i mean they're told to be defunded We're going to have less police. We're going to take their money away. We're going to fire police officers. Going to defund the police, make the place even less safe than it was to start with. All because Black Lives Matter said we had to do it. Well, guess what? Black Lives Matter. The ones that come out to riot have nothing to do with black lives. It is all about a fundamental change of our entire governmental system to one of socialism and change. They, they're they using black lives as a prop. They, I'm just going to come out and say it, they don't really give a damn about black lives. They care about policy and power. And that's what they're pushing for. So mere delusional jenny durkin it should be jenny delusional is talking about a summer of love everything's going to be fine and for those of us that watched eventually the police had to go in and others to dismantle and get them out it'll be a long time if ever for seattle to recover most people that would invest in a business may be a little bit gun shy right now because they realize that there are no adults in charge of that city you got a bunch of childish minded idiots running the city of seattle i feel sorry for the for the now retired head of the police department who watched her budget get decimated orders of stand down from the mayor They couldn't do their job to protect citizens and their property and their lives. All because of a organization whose real sole purpose has nothing to do with black lives, but 
everything about controlling your life. All of this started because Minneapolis, a police officer, apparently, allegedly, killed a black individual who was on many methamphetamines and drugs who was trying to pass a phony $20 bill who had had multiple run-ins with the law in his life the loss of George Floyd is tragic we don't have all the details But dozens of cities get on fire and burn and get looted and destroyed without any of the evidence in. Why? Because morally, intellectually, spiritually bankrupt individuals that are in charge of things can't control their own hatred of the president. And they let all these things happen, hoping it'll damage him. What could go wrong, huh? People in these riots, look at St. Louis, for example. Rioters are breaking into stores and businesses. A retired police officer who helped out a friend whenever the alarm system went off went to check on it and got killed, murdered in cold blood by one of these so-called Black Lives Matter rioters. This police officer was black. Do you see CNN touting his name? No. It doesn't fit their anti-American narrative. I can remember when CNN started. I'm old enough. And at one time in my career working in Atlanta, I was actually offered a job with CNN way back around 1979, 1980. I turned it down, and I'm glad that I did, looking back now. I would have a hard time being part of a propaganda machine of disinformation, which is what CNN has become, a delusional arm of disinformation, ready to prop up the liars and losers that are out there in this world. They prop up the the Adam Schiff's and their lies about Russian collusion, they prop it all up because orange man bad. We don't like him. Joe Biden good. I'm trying to explain to you the deception that you are living under with much of our media today. The delusion of Mayor Durkin. Yep, combatants breaking into and robbing stores and they're actually running like a protection racket back in those days when when you had Chaz Antifa involved as well I'll tell you that was no summer of love that was a summer of hate and violence and before it was over it was like George who what are we here again for Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Black Lives Matter. That's what we're here for. I go back in my younger days 
as a teenager in the 1960s. I can remember legitimate riots and anger over civil rights. I can remember as a young child watching our black and white TV set seeing the governor of Alabama, George Wallace, in front of a school trying to block desegregation. I remember those days. And I also remember the incredible progress this nation made in so many fronts that systematically became unraveled about a decade ago. It started to unravel a decade ago. You know, you act, many people act like all these terrible things happening to black people only started happening after Donald Trump got elected president. And now we have all this hard police brutality. When you dig into these statistics and you dig carefully and you look analytically and honestly at the results, to hear these rioters and protesters, the way they the way they do things and say things and act, you would think that thousands upon thousands of black men are being murdered every year just because of the color of their skin. The answer is no, that's not true. You need to break down the, the numbers too. How many were armed and how many were unarmed? Now, there's a little bit of a difference in some of the numbers. Some say that in 2019, it wasn't 9,000, it wasn't 900, it wasn't even 90, it was 9. Some say it may be as high as 13 because they thought the suspect was armed. So let's go with the higher number of 13. Let's say that 13 unarmed black males were killed by police officers or sheriff's deputies. And in some of those cases, it was justified because of the overpowering size of the suspect trying to physically attack the officer with their hands. So let's put these numbers into perspective. Now that you realize that it's not thousands of unarmed black people being killed by the police, let's just say it was 13, the higher number that when people said, well, no, it was more than nine, it was 13. Okay, 13. The United States has a population of over 330 million people. Now stop and think about that. 330 million people. And somehow we're told that 13 unarmed black men were systematically murdered because of racism by the police. Those are the statistics from the FBI. That means one in 25 million plus Americans. That's your odds. And for that, we burn down buildings. Yes, I agree. One even accidental 
killing is too many. Sometimes you need to find out what was going on. The majority of black men killed by police officers, they were armed and firing at the policemen at the time. Are we supposed to just walk away? I don't think so. Is our country, according to the Democrat Party today and and their standard bearers for the presidency and vice presidency, are we systemically racist in this country? I'm not, I really don't think so. If we were, how did we elect a black president twice? I don't see it. I have no issue with somebody's skin color in leadership. I've dealt with a lot of wonderful friends of other races and cultures. I'm not. Just because I'm conservative, the whole idea now is to paint you as something you're not. If you believe in family values, somehow that makes you a racist. I'm amazed at how the propaganda machine that was spun up by Goebbels during the 1930s of Germany, they're doing the same playbook tactic all over again. Label people something they're not. Use things like Black Lives Matter. How can you speak against that concept? You can't. But they use it because they don't care really about black people at all. Or purple people or yellow or brown. They don't care. Or white. They're using Gestapo-like tactics. Going into restaurants, screaming in people's faces to raise their arm in support. That's not the way to win friends and influence people. Now, I'm going to share one more thing here. Another, another one of the famous mayors from out west. It's been over three months now that the city of Portland, Oregon, has been experiencing rioting, looting, and burning. 90 days. 90 days. And this intellectually, morally, spiritually bankrupt individual by the name of Ted Wheeler is the mayor of Portland. And somehow, the killing, accidental or otherwise, of George Floyd that set off all these riots is Trump's fault. It happened in a state with a Democrat governor and a Democrat mayor How, did it have, how does this have anything to do with anything? But see, it goes back to Rahm Emanuel. Never let a good crisis go to waste. Don't forget that. And so if you can get a brush of paint on something and try to change the narrative. A few days ago, Wheeler had a press conference the intellectually, morally, and spiritually bankrupt mayor of Portland had a press conference. And in that press conference, he laid all the blame for all the ills of Portland at the feet of the president. 
president didn't pay anybody to go riot in Portland. Antifa and Black Lives Matter did. The president, as I said earlier, didn't put his knee on somebody's neck. That happened in a Democrat-run city in the Midwest. And somehow, when things like this happened back in, oh, I don't know, 2010, 2014, early 2016, it was never Barack Obama's problem. Had to be somebody else's problem. And so I listened to this press conference of the derelict mayor literally lying through his teeth, making false accusations because he's too incompetent to lead his own city. Yesterday's events began with hundreds of cars filled with supporters of the president rallying in Clackamas County and then driving through downtown Portland. They were supported and energized by the president himself. President Trump, for four years, we've had to live with you and your racist attacks on black people. Well, there's the first lie. When you look at Donald's Trump life, I mean, let's let's think about this logically. He's won more awards for helping for racial equality over the years. It's only when he became a presidential candidate he magically overnight is transformed into this horrible mean racist that wants to kill black people at least that's what the intellectually morally spiritually and every other bankruptcy you could think mr ted wheeler unworthy to serve in any office lying through his teeth saying that anybody that supports the president has to be a racist well let me stop right there you're allowing for 90 days your city to have people's businesses and lives destroyed by an anarchist group that steals the idea of Black Lives Matters. And all they really are looking to get, all they really want to do is destroy the entire system and bring in socialism. If you don't believe what I'm telling you, if you're listening to this show, look it up on their own website. It's not me saying it. It's what they say about themselves. That's who they are. And so for this intellectually, morally, spiritually, and otherwise bankrupt idiot running a big city, I feel for Portland. But too many people from California with their bad voting habits that couldn't stand to live in California's tax mess any longer moved to places like Portland and destroyed a once great city. That's what happens, like locusts. They descended and ruined it and vote in the intellectually, morally, and spiritually bankrupt person called Ted Wheeler, who stands in front of the world saying, it's your fault. Well, Mr. Mayor, you've had your city out of control for 90 days. They tried to burn down a federal building. How many businesses have been destroyed? How many businesses are leaving your city forever? They're not coming back. Read an article, a number of businesses that were planning things are not. They've canceled their plans. They're moving out of your city because they think you're an idiot. 
That's why they can't function in a city that allows violence to go on for three months, three months, 90 plus days, three months. And your answer is to blame somebody else. Wheeler then continues on with this this farcical press conference of imaginary boogeymen. Everything is, he's fine, it's, it's the guy in D.C. He then makes the accusation that it's all your fault. We haven't had anything like this in a long time, so it has to be, it has to be you. Really? Do you seriously wonder, Mr. President, why this is the first time in decades that America has seen this level of violence? Man, on the surface, it sounds terrible. Mr. President, this is the first time in decades not really not really at all i will give you the difference let's go back oh i don't know to five six years ago we had things like this but you know what the difference was people like you mr ted wheeler idiot mayor bankrupt mayor foolish mayor lying mayor incompetent mayor of portland People didn't let these riots continue on ad nauseum forever. Back 10 years ago, or eight years ago, or five years ago, after a few days, enough was enough, and those that were looting, burning, and destroying were stopped. But you, you, Mr. Ted Wheeler, you made the decision to let this thing fester all summer. Why? Because you don't like Donald Trump and you want him out of office. So blame him for all of your troubles, the troubles you created for yourself. The first time a building was burned. You know, it's terrible out there. They don't even arrest these protesters. They give them an appearance ticket. They're not being prosecuted. They're empowered to go out and steal and loot and burn some more. BLM. Burn. Loot. Yeah murder we saw that happen in st louis so mr ted wheeler explain to me and everybody else why you allowed these non-peaceful violent protests with fires and destruction to continue for 90 days and made your city and you a laughing stock among anybody with the common sense God gave seafood and an IQ over room temperature. You, Mr. Mayor, destroyed your own city and now you have the audacity, you have the audacity and guile and nerve to blame somebody else for your incompetence. And you wanted to fund your police too. I guess you want your people to be less safe than they were before. Of course, you have a security detail because you're special. No, I'm not buying it any longer. I'm not buying this nonsense that you're trying to sell. It's you who have created the hate and the division. It's you who have not found a way to say the names of black people killed by police officers, even as people in law enforcement have. So let's put this into perspective. Mayor Wheeler is blaming the president for all of his troubles. He's blaming the president because Mayor Wheeler decided not to stem down the violence or take control of his city. Instead, he 
he handcuffed his own police department's ability to protect people's livelihoods and businesses and property. He allowed this to continue on for 90 days under his watch because he had a political objective. He didn't care about the collateral damage to businesses and people and lives and cars and and everything. His hatred of Donald Trump drove him to insanity and madness. This is the real fight for the American heart and soul. It has nothing to do with Donald Trump. It has to do with anger and bitterness and the bureaucracy that has run this nation into the ground for many, many years with its dishonesty, taking care of each other. I'm amused that so many people want to look at Donald Trump's tax returns from the time before he became president. How he became a billionaire. I'll tell you the tax returns I'd like to see. There's some people in Congress right now that when they left, somehow they were filthy rich. They didn't make that kind of money in government. I'm more curious about those who leave government, not those coming in. We have an issue of anger. The United States is in a spiritual decline. We're going to talk about that and a few other little items here on the program today. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to the program Truth to Ponder. I'm your host, Bob Bierman, also the host of your weekend show, heard on International Shortwave and Podcast. I want to take a few moments right now to share the website for this particular program. You can find out more about Truth to Ponder at our website, which is the word truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That is truth, the number two, ponder.com. And from that website, you'll find out you can hear this program every day when it comes out, Monday through Friday, from one of your favorite podcasting sites. We're on Spreaker, we're on Anchor, and a few others, and more each week. And if you are a regular podcast listener, you can have the program and be notified when the new one is ready for you, normally around four in the afternoon, for Truth to Ponder. This has been a big undertaking for me, and I have so many people to thank for encouraging me to do this. You may disagree with what I'm saying, but at least I'm trying to challenge you into thinking for yourself. I don't believe in group speak which is one of the new things that we're told we have to do. I believe in being logical. I believe in looking carefully at information and making assessments. 
based on fact, not emotion. You know, emotions are a fleeting thing. People will make an emotional decision sometimes to buy something they can't even afford. And then for years, they're paying a a very steep price. And so what I want to tell you today is to think rationally. We can look at all, and I'm going to change gears here in just a moment, but look at all the riots all over the country. I was thinking today about all these people that are so concerned. Black Lives Matter. And I shared with you, based on statistics that have been released, there's a debate if it's 9 or 13, but let's go with the number 13. The 13 unarmed black men died in the United States at the hands of police in all the entire year of 2019. We're a country of like 330 million people. Now, Chicago has got a population of about 2.7 million. Not even 1%. And Chicago is a large city, one of the largest in the country. Chicago, a city of 2.7 million, about 0.7, 0.8% of 1% of the population of the United States. And I've been looking at how many young black men are gunned down and killed each weekend, each weekend in Chicago. Over the past four, five, six years, in other words, not just during the time of this president, we're going back to before President Trump, during the Obama years. And you'll see 10, 13, 15 or more every weekend in Chicago. That means like five or 600 a year in a place that represents not even 1% of the population. Where's the outrage? Where are the protesters? Don't those black lives matter? No, they don't because they're of no political value. And that's what I'm trying to impress upon you. Politics in this country is a blood sport now. Families divided now. And creative liars are being employed to be the spokespeople for a lot of these organizations. I shared with you the comments of two very very terrible mayors that have let their cities down, but they blame everybody else but themselves for what they could have done. An incident in the Midwest that sparks riots, burning, looting, and even people dying. And they let them go because there's a political advantage. You know, you start start back in March, and we'll talk about really more of this tomorrow on the program. The coronavirus hits the United States. And we can talk about numbers. I'll be sharing some numbers tomorrow. And we all did our 15 days to flatten the curve. Well, it's a long time since 15 days. 
And we're seeing things that are so easy to understand if you just think about them logically. We locked down and we had a peak in April and then it came down. We started to reopen. We had some other peaks again. But you know, as I'm looking at the statistics now for what they're worth, the number of people dying is dropping dramatically. Yeah, the infection numbers are up. This gal that I have seen her postings on Facebook, I mean, she means well. She really does. She has probably a heart of gold. She lives in Florida. I think the Orlando area is something like that. And she saw the story about 9,000 Florida students test positive for the coronavirus, and she's in absolute panic mode thinking that everybody in the world is going to die in the school system. So you start doing a little bit of research, dig into the numbers, get past that, the headline that's supposed to grasp your attention and put fear into you. 9,000, well, there's almost 3 million students in school in the state of Florida. So that means like one in every 300 and some odd students tested positive. You get an elementary school with like 300 students or maybe just one. A high school of, let's say, 1,500, you might have, I don't know, four or five. Do you see how you can be manipulated with a headline? You just see this army of 9,000 sick and dying young people, and then you find out that most of the students tested had no symptoms and had no clue. If you look at other countries that have opened up the schools, there's not one case in the UK of a student spreading the infection to their teacher. Not one. Not a one. Same is true in other countries. Yet now, as I told you, it's all about politics and getting something. Black Lives Matter has nothing to do with black lives. It's all about changing our entire system, destroying the system, destroying the government, destroying law and order defunding the police and bringing in a, this this happy time of socialism where there's a lot of free things for everybody. But nobody's ever counted the real cost of what it would take to do that. Oh, just take the rich people's money. Well, you run out of that soon enough. It was Margaret, Margaret Thatcher that said so eloquently, Socialism works excellent until you run out of other people's money. And we see that all over the world, but we're blinded. Our education system has failed us. They don't teach a whole lot. I've told you about people that I know personally, personally, that graduated high school knowing nothing about history at all. They're just living an emotional life. Because that's what's encouraged. There's some young people that give me hope and confidence, but too many don't. I know I was young myself, hard to believe. I had to go through the process of learning, sometimes the hard way. But getting back to the school systems, now you have teachers' unions. See, they started demanding, you know, 
personal protection, online classes, whatever. And, and I can understand that. Maybe you are concerned. Maybe you're not sure or certain. And you don't want to go back to a classroom just yet. But see, the narrative is beginning to change because even though you find these infection numbers and there's some things we'll talk about tomorrow on the program, I've got some interesting information about the test and some of the things are beginning to rethink about how they're testing. I mean, seriously. We have been moving the goalpost on this ever since it started. No, you don't need a mask. Yes, you need a mask. You've got to do this, do that. It just we, we have been just guessing at times, I think. But the evidence is there that students are apparently not infecting teachers. Okay. Well, what about the death rate? Have have students died? It's either six or eight, I can't remember, or more. You're six more times or likely, likely to die if you're a student of the flu than, than COVID-19. That's a fact. Symptoms are mild or not present. And they're beginning to wonder if they're really infecting anybody because they're not seeing it with students returning to classrooms in other parts of the world. But see, what's happened now, the teachers unions have decided, well, we're not going to come back until you defund the police. Did you hear that? We're not going to come back and teach your young people anything until you defund the police. We're not going to come back until you get orange man out of the presidency. We're not going to come back. They're now adding conditions that have nothing to do with teaching, but a political agenda. So what should we do? I think it's time, as we heard earlier this week, when I had my good friend Frank Silvato on, he was talking about that very issue. That very one issue. Maybe it's time parents take control of education. Maybe it's time we have educational vouchers. And so there's some competition. Maybe it's time we stop accepting mediocre high schools that graduate people that can barely read or write or know anything about history, but they graduated. And our graduation rate of 97% is intact, and we get more federal monies. You know, in the average school system, there's been an 800% or 700%, depending where you're at, increase in the number of administrative personnel in relationship to students. We have had this massive increase to improve the teacher-student ratio in schools over the last 50 years. We spend more money now. It's not money. It's not a money issue at the schools. I don't want to hear that we need more money. The average school now is spending like $24,000 per year per student in the classroom. For $24,000. Give me 10 students, that's a quarter million dollars. I'll find a way to teach them. Put 20 in that classroom, you got a half a million dollars. You're looking at a tuition like Harvard or some big school for the second grade. Parents need to take education control back. 
we've lost control and and now we have we have all these teachers out there well first it's it's our safety we don't want the students killing us okay you find out that's not the case well we'll come back when you defund the police (laughs) good luck with that let's face it we live in a very different time than most of us today can remember Will this time come and go? Will life ever go back to normal? That's going to be one of the questions we're going to have to explore over the days and weeks ahead on the program. Can we ever be normal again? There are times I I wonder, and there are times that I sincerely worry, and here's why. Many people, many people will be psychologically scared guard for for months or even years to come they live through the fear of dying of COVID-19 or they knew somebody that was sick and came close to dying or did die even as we learn more about this particular virus many people are going to be not wanting to do much of what they used to do. They're going to be afraid maybe to go to certain kind of restaurants. The movie theaters may may experience a radical decline. Churches, yeah, even a lot of churches where they worry about their mortal life more than their eternal life will see many of their doors close or have to shrink their budgets to accommodate those that decide to stay. My wife and I were talking about this just the other night. And it's almost like we're hitting this time of the separation of the true believers from the peripheral believers. And what I mean by that, what I call the cultural Christian. Yeah, I was raised in a church. I don't really read the Bible. I don't pray. I do go occasionally when there's a some kind of an event, maybe Christmas, maybe Easter, maybe a funeral or a wedding. But other than that, I don't really do much with organized religion. And you're going to see, I think, a separation coming, coming very soon. People will be scared about going back to life that we knew a year ago. Imagine this time one year ago heading heading into the fall in the not-too-distant future. End of this month in the Northern Hemisphere is the beginning of fall. And the beginning of winter comes in December, right before the celebration of Christmas. And a lot of people, a year ago, would you ever believe the things we're seeing happen today? In the United States, whether you like it or not, Regardless of your politics, the truth is we had a very strong economy, unemployment the lowest in 50 years, including all minority, best in a half century, real wages going up, confidence in creating even more jobs. In this environment, a virus was in my opinion. I'm going to come out and say it. You may disagree with it. This is my opinion. I believe with every ounce of my being that virus was allowed to escape into the world to create the havoc 
and the horror scenes we have seen. All for politics. You may disagree. But see, this is not our first go-round with a SARS-type. We'll explore that tomorrow and a whole lot more. And I hope that you'll come back and be with us for the program. Until tomorrow, this is Bob Bierman wishing God's greatest blessings upon you. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's Truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.